Hello and welcome to the second edition of the Worship Leader Resource Podcast. This is Robert Sullivan again. Today I just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit more about what it takes to be a worship leader and some of my thoughts on the matter of worship leading. Today, let's see what we're going to be digging into today. We're going to be going and talking about the secret place. You know, it's that that place when we're alone and nobody else is with us, nobody else is around us or sees what we're doing. It's in that moment that it truly shapes our character and defines who we are and what we're supposed to be. So this is probably one of the most important things that we can do as any worship leader. To become better is to spend time in God's presence whenever we're by ourselves. Um, well, oftentimes, whenever we're teaching on worship and stuff like that, we talk about the life of David. And personally, I believe that one of the key things that made David a man after God's own heart was the fact that he spent time in God's presence when nobody else was looking. He spent that time away when he was in the field and taking care of his sheep, just with him and God. And nobody else was there. Nobody else was breaking in. or nobody, He wasn't worried about leading other people in worship or anything like that. It was just him and God, and his heart was being poured out to God in those moments. So in that life, in that secret place where nobody else was, since he had that connection with God, he was he became a man after God's own heart and kind of an, a symbol of what we look at nowadays when we think of worship and we think of worship leading and a worship lifestyle. So we look at that and then we look at what we do ourselves and we want to lead people in worship. Um, basically what we're saying is we want to take these people from where they are. We want to connect them with God want to basically act as a mediator or a conduit um, through which this connection is established between heaven and earth. And that only comes when we spend time with God by ourselves in the secret place. We cannot expect to come on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whenever the services are to be able to come before God and stand before the people and say, okay, I feel like I have enough strength, that I have enough, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but that I'm capable enough of connecting you with God. Because if I haven't been spending time with God on my own, if I've been kind of out doing my own thing, running around, doing whatever, then when I come before the congregation to lead them in worship, I cannot expect to say, okay, I'm going to show you guys what God is wanting to do. It's because we spend that time with God in the secret when nobody else is there, when nobody else is looking, that we get to know God on a personal level, we interact with God, and we create and cultivate a lifestyle in God's presence that we can see what God is doing in this moment. We can see what God is wanting to do in this church, in the congregation that we're working with, that we're serving in. And out of that time, then we can come confidently before the congregation and say, you know what, in my prayer time, in my personal time with God, he's shown me this, he's shown me this and this and this, and, and God will begin to reveal things to you in that time, in the secret place, when it's just you and him. He'll begin to reveal things to you about what he wants you to do when you're leading worship in the congregation and maybe different songs that he wants you to lead. That's why last week whenever we were talking about the worship set and creating the set list it's important to spend time in prayer so that way you'll know what God is wanting to do in that service because if we leave that out then we really have no idea and when we approach the service and we go 
to try to lead worship. We're trying to say, okay, we're going to do this out of our own ability. We're going to do this out of our own talent. Now, we can have the most talented musicians ever. And I've played with many, many skilled musicians that can flow with pretty much anything. And we've had some amazing jam sessions. But when we talk about worship, we don't want just people that are going to come in and say, you know, I'm a good musician. We want people that are going to come in and say, you know, I'm a worshiper first and foremost. And then my ability to play my instrument is secondary. We want people to will come in and say, you know what, I want to worship God with all of my heart. And then secondary, they'll say, you know, I'm a great musician. I can flow with whatever you're leading with. Now, I'm not undermining the importance of musical ability at all. Because that is very, very, very important. And we cannot leave that out. Because I've been to many churches and led worship of many people. And I was this way one time myself to where I wasn't very good at my instrument. And... It, it reflects and on what you're doing, and it can a lot of times inhibit the presence of God from coming because you're just, just creating these huge distractions, and you're distracting everybody from what they originally came there for. They originally came there to worship God and to crowd and worship, and if we're up there hitting all the wrong chords and hitting all the wrong notes, then it is a distraction. So I'm not undermining talent or musical ability at all because that is highly important. But what I'm saying is that needs to come secondary to the relationship with God. When I'm looking at musicians to possibly play on my worship team, I've got some people that I've played with before that are horrible. And it often creates a distraction whenever we're leading worship. But, you know, I've also seen those same people grow. And whenever I was talking to them whenever I was inviting them to come be on the team. It was more of a, okay, I want to disciple you. I want to mentor you. I see a potential in you. And so I want to cultivate that. I know that your heart is in the right place. You have a love for God. You have a passion for God. In your secret place, you are worship. You're a worshiper. In your secret place when nobody's looking, you cry out to God. You pray. You do all these things that cultivate this lifestyle of worship, but you're not very great at your instrument. Well, that can be learned. There was a really good friend of mine now that originally when he started out playing with me, he wasn't very good at playing bass. And I know he's going to listen to this and know that I'm talking about him. But he wasn't very good at playing bass guitar at all. He only knew a couple of chords. And, well, I still, I saw his heart. I saw that he was a worshiper at heart, that he loved God and that he loved music. So sometimes we can look beyond the musical ability of people if we can see their heart is in the right place. I would oftentimes rather worship with somebody who's not amazing at their instrument, but they have their heart in the right place, than I would try to worship with somebody that's amazing at their instrument and they're focused on, okay, I'm really good at my instrument. And then you just begin to see them trying to show off and trying to do all these things during worship that are also distractions from God. So you can have kind of the extreme on both levels to where they're either really good at their instrument and they show off and that becomes a distraction or they're really bad at their instrument and so they hit wrong notes and that becomes a distraction. 
but I've always seen in everything that I've done that it's easier to overcome the not very good at your instrument because you can always learn and as you're learning that cultivating begins to begins to change them they begin to become better at their instrument and ultimately they become better worshipers and worship leaders as well so I kind of went off on a rabbit trail about musicianship and stuff like that so let's kind of get back to what we were talking about with spending time in God's presence because it's really, really, really important what I want to focus on today. So, I know when I started out as a worship leader, and many other worship leaders do the same thing, we start out exactly like I was talking about a minute ago. We're wanting to cry out to God. We are worshipers at heart. It's our passion. It's our desire to play our instruments, to sing songs before God, And it's not so much about wanting to get into a position in a church. It's not about wanting to make your name known or to play in a band. Whenever I first started leading worship, I started out with a guitar that was not very good at all. In fact, it was probably about a 10-year-old guitar that had been through a lot of damage. I think it got wet a couple times, and so it was kind of warped and it probably stayed in tune a total of five minutes before it was out of tune again. But this began to do something to me because I began to see I could learn to play guitar. Um, My brother at the time was always wanting me to give up guitar because that guitar sounded awful. It really did. (laughs) But I was persistent because I had a passion for worshiping God. I would go to youth group. This when I was about probably 16 years old. I would go to youth group and have an amazing time in worship with the worship leader that was there. And I would come home and I'm like, you know, I want to do that. I have this passion. I have this desire from what I see whenever we're leading worship, whenever we're in congregational worship. I have this feeling, this closeness to God that I want when I'm at home in my secret place. When I'm at home in my bedroom and I'm just reading the word, I want that closeness. I want to be able to pour out my heart in worship. And so, as I've studied and kind of grown, I've realized that God was cultivating stuff in me for worship later on in life. And it's it's just amazing, just the different things that he's done. And so, I look back and I see the beginning stages where I was not good at my instrument. When I first started leading worship, I was at a homeless shelter. No, it wasn't really a homeless shelter. It was more it was a food bank that my church had. And we would go in there every night they would have a service to where they would have teaching and then they would serve a hot meal to anybody who who was there who wanted to stay for the service and, and eat a meal. So we had a lot of homeless people coming in. And I was they had a guitar in their office, so I was kinda playing around on the guitar. I wasn't very good. And so the main pastor person at the time came in and was like, you know, at first I thought you were just kind of playing around, but then I heard you singing a worship song in here. So I realized that you know a couple worship songs. Why don't you come outside and and lead worship? And well, I was like, well, you know, I don't really, I don't really feel comfortable doing this. You know, I'm not very good at at this instrument and I, I don't really know what to do. And he's like, okay, well, how about next week? So next week came along and Pretty much the same thing. I still didn't feel comfortable. But 
eventually I said, okay, I'm going to do it. So I stepped out of the secret room, so to say. It was more of an office, but of the secret comfort zone that I was in. And that began my worship leading career, I guess you could say, because I started leading worship there at least once or twice a week. And from there, I began to move into the church and lead worship for various different events. And well, I look at where I am now, and I'm a full-time youth pastor and worship leader. (laughs) So it's definitely cultivated things, and it's changed things. But it all started from the desire that I had to worship in the secret place when nobody was watching, when nobody else was around. I just began to, to cry out to God. I can remember many times my brother would come and knock on my door to my bedroom and be like, would you quiet down? You're singing the same thing over and over again. And I remember just saying, you know, I can't help it because God is moving on this verse that I'm singing. So I'm singing it over and over and over again because God's anointing is on it. And I'm in God's presence. So I'm not going to leave this no matter what. It can be annoying to you. I don't care. (laughs) I think the more annoying part of it was, though, that the instrument was out of tune and (laughs) stuff like that. Because my brother has a heart after God as well. So, I'm trying to think of where I was going to go with this, but we'll look at several other worship leaders that do this full-time, that travel around. And sometimes I just wonder, what is their heart really in it for? Because sadly, the when we look at the Christian music and the worship music um, genres and just the music culture in general and the music industry, that's what I'm looking for, it's not much different than the secular music industry. So the sad part about this is that people have got into worship leading. People have got into worship and seen it as an easy way for them to make themselves known. And it makes it harder for the people that are actually leading worship and actually doing it out of their heart because they don't desire to do it for money as much as the other people do. Do I love the fact that I'm getting paid to lead worship now? Yes. I get to do one of my passions, and I get paid for it. (laughs) It's amazing. But that's not my main focus. That's not my main drive. Do I want to make CDs and send them out to people to listen to my music that I write? Yes. But am I doing that because I want them to give me money? Am I doing it because I want another income? No. I'm doing it because... I write songs when I'm in my secret place with God. I write songs when I'm crying out to God and pouring my heart out. And I feel God's presence so strongly when I'm singing those songs that I want to share those with people so other people can experience the presence of God when they are worshiping with these songs. So it's not about money. I've had many like conversations in my head with myself kind of going back and forth as whether or not I actually even want to charge for any CDs that I make or if I want to give them away for free. I I still haven't fully decided on what I'm going to do with that yet. I kind of read how the story of Keith Green, how he basically had that same problem. He was like, you know what, I've wanted to write music and I've written music all my life and God's doing this new thing in me and I just want to give it away. 
but unfortunately he realized there were costs with it and so he was like, okay, if, how about we make it to where if you can't afford it, then you can have it free, and people were taking advantage of it. So, I mean, there's some different things we have to look at when we go to different extremes like that. But it all comes back to the heart. Why are we in this? Are we in our worship-leading positions because we want to worship God, and we want to help others worship God, and we want to cultivate a lifestyle of worship in others, Or are we in this out of a desire to make ourselves known to be the next Christian music rock star? Because if you want to be the next Christian music rock star, switch genres. Just become a regular rock star. Because, I mean, what's the point of saying that you're in worship? What is the point of worship leading if you're just doing it so that way you can be made known, so that you can exalt yourself instead of exalting God, it all comes down to the heart and what is cultivated in that secret place when we're by ourselves, when nobody is looking. And when we spend time with God in this quiet place, in God's presence, it opens so many doors for us. Because when we spend time with God, he reveals things to us. He gives us new songs. I was driving home not too long ago, and I hadn't written a new song in probably six or seven months. And I was just driving home, and I was like, God, I really, really want a new song. I just begin to cry out and begin to say, God, give me a new song. And by the time I got home, it was probably about a 15-minute drive. I had to go in and get on my piano so I could write down the song that God just immediately gave to me. And it was because I spent that time praying for it. So when we spend time with God, when we spend time in the secret place, not only can we select songs to sing that touch God's heart and that God is going to use to minister to the people in the congregation, he gives us new songs, plus we can move into all sorts of things, like when we're leading worship, since we know how to connect with God, since we've experienced God's intimacy and his connection, we understand it, we realize it, so we can begin to flow whenever we feel him moving. So this opens all kinds of doors for prophetic worship, spontaneous worship, and stuff like that. And I've seen it so many times that I'll be in prayer before a service and like my entire set list will change just because I'm spending that time with, with God before I go to the service saying, God, what do you want to do in this service? What do you want me to sing? What songs can I sing that will touch your heart tonight? And what songs can I sing that will bring these people along with me as I worship you? Which that kind of brings me into a whole nother classification of worship that we can go into, but I'm going to save it for another week. And that's the difference between vertical worship and congregational worship and how to kind of intermingle the two. Because we have congregational worship. It's where we come together as a group of believers united in one voice and we sing worship to God. And in that situation, it is our job as the worship leader to come along and say, okay, let's do this. Come with me. I've spent my time in the quiet place. I know God's heart for this. So come with me as I connect you with what God is doing. Come with me as I connect you to the throne room of God. 
So we have that that's congregational worship to where we are, are leading others into worship. And then we also have vertical worship, which is simply worship between us and God. And I'm going to go into this in real deep detail in another series, in another podcast session. So I'm kind of giving you a high-level overview of it right now. But what are the main differences in that is one of them takes place more in our quiet place when it's just us and God. It's that vertical worship where we're singing God songs or praying and worshiping God directly to Him. And the other takes place when we're in our congregational settings and we begin to cry out as a congregation together and we begin to lead them in worship that way, together. So, like I said, we're going to go into that in another session. I'm looking forward to getting some interviews about that as well because I have some really good friends that are part of a vertical worship movement that is amazing. And it's just a blast to lead worship at their events and stuff like that. So I'm really, really, really looking forward to doing some interviews with that. But I'm going to kind of, kind of all wrap this up. You know, we cannot expect to be great worship leaders, to be used by God. We can't expect to be great ministers if we are doing things without spending time in God's presence. It does not make sense, and it just won't work. We cannot... I couldn't go somewhere, say I was in royalty... And I had to go somewhere and talk on behalf of the king. I couldn't very easily not ever talk to the king and then go to this meeting and say, I'm here to speak on behalf of the king because I have no idea what the king is wanting to do. I have no idea what his heart is. I have no idea what his mindset. We can bring that up to nowadays instead of the whole old school KJV days. We can bring that up to now. Let's look at a business. If I'm going to go to a meeting and speak on behalf of a CEO of a business, I need to speak to that CEO. I need to spend time with that person so I can know their heart, so I can know their mind, so I can know what they're thinking, what their thoughts are, where they want this company to go. If I don't talk with them, then I cannot lead the rest of these people to where they want to go. So if I'm going to be a manager for a business and I need to talk to the president and CEO to be able to lead the rest of the business people to where they need to go, why do we think that we can be worship leaders and ministers and come before people and say, I'm going to help take you where you need to go. I'm going to lead you in worship. If we don't ever talk to God ourselves and find out what he is wanting to do, where he is wanting to take these people, when he's wanting to do it. I mean, there's so many questions that need to be answered before we can adequately lead anybody anywhere. I mean, we can get up there and say, you know, I've had an experience with God in the past, so I'm going to lead you to where we were in the past, because at the time that I was spending time with God, that's what he told me he wanted me to do. That, sure, that may have been 10 or 
12 years ago, but that's a whole other rant (laughs) of churches that are constantly looking at their past and saying, you know what, this is where we were at one point. This is where we want to be again. But, you know, God is saying, you know what, it's time for a change. It's time for something new. I want the leaders to begin to cry out to me in the secret place. You know, in Joel chapter 2, it's talking about the leaders weeping between the porch and the altar, pouring out their lives and crying out for God to pour out his spirit on the sons and the daughters, on the next generation. We see it so clearly that God wants us to pour out our lives as leaders in the secret place, in the quiet place, where nobody is watching, where it doesn't matter what other people think because they can't see you. He wants us to pour out our lives there, crying out for wisdom, for vision, for direction, for God to pour out his spirit. Because without God's spirit being poured out, we can play the most popular song, we can play the most anointed song, but nothing will happen because God's spirit is not being poured out there. And a lot of times, the reason there's not a revival in the church, the reason there's not a new move of God in the church, is because the leaders are not in that position where they are pouring out their lives between the porch and the altar, crying out for God to pour out his spirit. So we have to spend our time, if we want to be effective leaders in worship, in ministry, or whatever we're doing, if we want to be effective leaders, we need to spend our time crying out to God in worship, in prayer. We just need to begin to pour out our lives between the porch and the altar, talk to God so we can know where he is leading us and where he is leading the congregation that we are overseeing. So that's all that I have for you guys today. I want to thank you for listening to the Worship Leader Resource blog, and I hope you guys subscribe to it. Um, you can always go online to rsworship.org. We have, I have daily devotionals on there that I do. I also have the Worship Leader Resource blog, which is usually a summary of everything that I talk about on here, minus all the rabbit trails and rants and any other random things that I choose to speak about. But it's all on there as well. So I encourage you to go on there, check it out. That's rsworship.org. And thank you for listening.